Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 633 with Ashley Stahl. If you're feeling a bit stuck in your current job or career, or seems like something's missing, Ashley brings the goods with a great framework. It loves me a good framework to help you get unstuck and find that perfect career fit. So you'll learn one, the number one reason why people end up exhausted in their careers. Two, how to identify your three core skill sets. And three, how to turn a bland job into a grand job. One quick note on the audio. There was a weird recording issue. This just about never happens. So there's a few seconds of weird crackle sizzle that we weren't able to fully mitigate and Ashley generously re-recorded of some portions. So you'll hear it sounds a smidge different. But that occurred. Apologies. But we're making it up to you by doing something kind of special with this episode. And I want to say thank you for another awesome year of listening. So I said, what the heck? Let's get a couple dozen copies of Ashley's book for the listeners who want them most. So here's what you can do if you would like to get a free copy of the book. Simply make a post on LinkedIn, tag myself, Pete Mikaitis, and Ashley Stahl, S-T-A-H-L, and include a link to the show notes at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP633. And that's the scoop. Again, the ingredients are a LinkedIn post, tagging Pete and Ashley, including a link to this episode, awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP633, and a sentence for what you think is great or you learned or were transformed. And then my team is going to message you personally on LinkedIn, get your appropriate address or email, and get a book to you. If there's international troubles, we'll figure it out. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's solvable and we'll make it good one way or the other. So free books for the first 24 listeners who put some stuff up on LinkedIn here. So I think that will be a hoot and I think you'll find it super useful. So that's that story. And here's Ashley's story. Ashley Stahl is a counterterrorism professional turned career coach and author of the book U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. And she's on a mission to help you step into a career you're excited about and aligned with through her two viral TEDx speeches for online courses and her email list of 500,000. Oh, and her show, The U-Turn Podcast. She's been able to support clients in 31 countries in discovering their best career path, upgrading their confidence, and landing more job offers. She maintains a monthly career column in Forbes, and her work has also been featured in outlets such as The Wall Street Journal, CBS, Self, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, and more. Big thanks to Ashley for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. 
That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Ashley. Ashley, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to spend this time with you. Oh, me too. Well, I'm excited to get into what you've got to say. But first, I want to hear a smidge about your background. I noticed in your LinkedIn that you have experiences both working for the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. California, as well as fighting terrorism, although separately. It's not fighting yes. terrorism with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I'm sure he's done in a number of movies. Yeah. Couldn't list them. But so do you have any pretty wild stories from either of these encounters? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited you asked me this. Nobody's ever asked about this. I love it when people say that. <laughs> well, first of all, I used to answer Arnold Schwarzenegger's government phone calls. And so I would always be that intern that's like office of the governor. And then you would get all sorts of people across the rainbow that would be calling in. And one of my most common calls were people who would kind of sound normal at the beginning. Hi, you know, I'm looking for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm his intern. I can help you. And then suddenly they would go straight into emulating him and they go, get down. We have to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And I was in charge of the FBI logs to basically report people who are going crazy so to make sure that they weren't an actual threat to national security. So I was constantly having to like fill out my little log every day. Like, you know, Irene called again from Florida, you know, David from, you know, Venice Beach. So I was reporting all sorts of people. And that was a crazy job. As far as counterterrorism goes, working at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., I wouldn't say that I had funny experiences. I feel like the experience even getting into the Pentagon was a lot of failure for me learning how to job hunt, which informed my entire career path, mastering the job hunt. But I think that was more of a serious time. And I came into the Pentagon when NATO was trying Afghanistan in 2011. So it was much more of a tense environment at that time and a lot of heaviness. Even though the Pentagon was very serious, I will say that I was caught sitting at Arnold Schwarzenegger's desk asking another intern to take a picture of me to send to my mom. And I got in trouble by the head of the office and a couple political pointies walked in right as I was doing that. So I definitely learned my lesson on respecting the situation at a young age. Like they haven't done it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I couldn't resist myself. I would first maybe... Okay, so then these people who were just quoting Arnold Schwarzenegger, they had to be logged as threats, like get down because that is, yeah. Okay. Wow. So by that standard, he might have more threats than any other governor around because nobody else is going to call the governor of Illinois and say, get down. Listen, one thing I've learned working (laughs) in the government is that there will always be something else weird. Everybody is a special little snowflake working in government offices and they will get their share of weird constituent phone calls. I also went down to the bottom of the California building, downtown L.A., during my internship, and I would answer all of the protester grievances. So that was where I learned how to handle a lot of angry energy and kind of neutralize it and uh, keep my people skills at bay. And and those are just a couple things. Also, I used to get his mail, and that was the time where anthrax was a a full-on trend. And so people would put baby powder in his mail to pretend that it was anthrax, which was Mm. terrifying. So I was like the sacrificial lamb on the front lines of the baby powder wannabe anthrax situation man well well, well, that is that's a wild cross-section of experience so that just sort of sets the stage for you know a thing or two yeah about careers uh, discovering direction designing your dream career and more so 
I, I was intrigued. So as we were emailing back and forth, yeah, <laughs> you said, I've got some stuff that your people have never heard before. Yeah. So I'm intrigued. Lay it on us. You know, how do you think about career strategy, job hunting, getting unstuck stuff differently than other career coaches out there? Yeah, I'm pretty unconventional. There's so much content out around how to get a job and how to master an interview, but there's not a lot of people out there who are going against the grain. Like, for example, one of the things I learned early on in my career in my 20s was don't follow your passion. Passion is interesting. It's valuable. It's something to consider but it will never be as important for your career path as your core skill set. Really taking a look at what are your natural talents, what are your natural gifts, and how does that inform your career? So that belief system is just the basis of what I write about in my book or what I do on my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, well then let's let's talk about, you, you talk about some, some core pieces in terms of core nature, core skill sets, core values, core motivations. How about we start with skill sets? You've got a nice little listing. Tell us about it. Yeah, I have a list of 10 core skill sets because I think the answer for anybody who is feeling stuck or unsure of what their next move is or something's missing at work is coming back home to who you really are. That's the concept of making a U-turn is reconnecting to yourself. And that comes back down to noticing where you're innately talented. And one of the things about your core skill set that can be kind of challenging is that it's so obvious to you. It's so natural to you that it's almost hard to notice that you have whatever that thing is as a skill set. So one question I tell people to ask the people in their life, whether it's their parents or their close friends or their colleagues. So when you ask somebody, when have you seen me at my best? And I always tell people that it's not going to be easy to, you know, be able to tell that for yourself. It's so much more helpful when you can collect that information from someone else so that you can really take it in. And that's why I ask people to write their responses so that I can read them. And instead of asking them in a verbal conversation, I'll have them you know, text me back or something like that so I can collect that information. And then the question from there to ask yourself is, what skill set am I using? Because here's the truth of the matter. According to research, both in dating and also with job hunting, oftentimes other people have a better sense of who you are than you do. And it's not because we don't know ourselves. It's because it's easy for someone else to neutrally see where we stand out that might be obvious for us and not so obvious to the rest of the world. And we might not even realize that. Well, yeah, that's that's powerful. I think it really rings true in terms of when I've been amazed at the work of others and I've said, oh my gosh, this is so great. They say, well, it's not a big deal. I just kind of, you know, I crank this out in like, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> Often it's like sort of a design task because I'm not great at that. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is so gorgeous. How did you do it? It must have taken you forever. It's like, no, just 20 minutes. I mean, it's an illustrator, no big deal, you know? And, and so I, I think that that's really true in that it comes so naturally to you that it doesn't seem, you don't feel victorious because it wasn't hard. And so it doesn't, you know, register and trigger like, oh, wow, I'm so proud of that thing I just did. I'm, I'm awesome at this. Yes. Because it was just that easy. Oh, yes. And I also think a lot of people kind of get stuck on this idea of clarity. Like if I had a penny for everybody that said, I need clarity, you and I would just be on a private jet with your family right now, living our, on an island or something. Because the ultimate truth for me is that you don't need clarity. You just need to reconnect to yourself. Hence this concept of making a U-turn. So the 10 core skill sets, I'll go through these for any of our note takers. I think they really bring you back to that question at the root of who are you really? And then the realization that there are so many different versions and ways for you to truly harness that core skill set and use it in the world. So 
For example, right now on this podcast, if you noticed, my core skill set is words. And what's really interesting to consider as you look at your core skill set is how many different ways there are to express your core skill set. So in my case, words can look like many things. It can look like me being a speaker, an author. It also could look like me being a salesperson or a business development professional in the workforce. It could look like me being a real estate agent, a talent agent, because it's all about I am turning words into money. Another thing to really look through when you're considering these 10 core skill sets, words just being one out of the 10, is asking yourself, am I introverted or am I extroverted? Because if you take a look at the word skill set alone, there are many different ways and versions of how you can express that. The internal way of expressing it is as a writer or a content creator. I mean, there are so many different ways as an editorial strategist, whatever have you. But the external way of expressing the words core skill set is more of a speaker, a spokesperson. So I saddle both sides of the fence as a writer and also as a speaker, a podcaster with my own show, all of those things. And so it's really key that people ask themselves first and foremost, as they're looking at the core skill sets, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? And I know there's a lot of research on being an ambivert, but I do think people tend to lean one way or the other. So would it be helpful for me to go through all 10? Yes, let's do that. So I can kind of just go through them for anybody who's taking notes to kind of think about where they fit and really start asking themselves, am I an introvert? Am I an extrovert? How do I want to express this? So the first one, other than words, which I already gave you guys, is innovation. And you kind of want to think about these as an energy, not just a tactical skill set. So the innovation person is the intrapreneur, it's the entrepreneur, it's the creative self-starter, it's the person who maybe maintains their own book of business throughout a company. It is somebody who is coming up with solutions for different problems. So it's really important if you think about innovation, you are probably the entrepreneur at heart or the highly creative person. The second core skill set is building. This one is very much so an energy. So one way it can look is being a mechanic, a construction worker, a little bit more tactical. Another way it could look is a little bit more conceptual and concrete, like a web developer or somebody who's building out a website. So there's many different ways that you can harness these skills. The third one is words, which was mine. And I talked to you guys about that one. And then the fourth one is motion. Motion as a core skill set is all about using your body, using your physical energy throughout the day. So this could be as literal as a fitness professional. This could be like a masseuse, a tour guide, anybody who's using their energy and their body throughout the day and being in a state of movement is the motion core skill set. And then the fifth one is service. And there's a lot that I have to say about this core skill set. The service core skill set is the humanitarian, the helper, the social worker. But the big challenge that I have with the service core skill set is a lot of people have different childhood wounds or upbringing challenges that kind of result in them thinking that they have a core skill set when really all it is is a coping mechanism that they developed throughout their life. And so anybody who's a service person, I always kind of pause and say, are you really a helper or is that just something you've learned? Are you just a people pleaser? Uh, Is this a coping mechanism? So it's important with that particular one to ask yourself and even any of them to say, does this skill set come from a wounded place or an inspired place in my career? And the sixth one is coordination. God knows the world needs these people. These are the detail-oriented operations people, project managers, event coordinators. They make the world go round, make sure that we're not dropping the ball. And then the seventh one is analysis. 
These are the people who have a gift for research, academia, the economists, even intelligence analysts, anything that involves you going really deep and having that natural affinity to do that. And then number eight is numbers. So holler at my number crunchers. This is, you know, kind of what it sounds, the bookkeeper, the accountant, the investment banker, the financial modeler. And then number nine is technology. This is the IT genius, the artificial intelligence visionary. And then the 10th one is beauty. And I love this one. This is the people who make art of the world around them. Whether they're an interior designer, a jewelry designer, they have an eye for aesthetics and they have a capability of creating that. So like I said, all of these are expressed differently if you're introverted or extroverted, and they also are just their own energy fields. And it really helps to kind of look at these when you ask people, when have you seen me at my best? So that you can kind of take a look and say, oh, wow, everybody who's seen me at my best is noticing that I'm in service when I'm at my best and kind of asking yourself, is that a default setting for you? Is that a natural place for you? Is that where you have a gift and not taking your gifts for granted? Because far too often we think where we're great is just easy for everybody else. Well, that's intriguing. As I, as I run through this, I think I see three contenders for me. Could be innovation, it could be words, it could be analysis, but I'm pretty sure it's not any of the others. <laughs> yes. Well, you're hitting on a really good point. Everybody yeah. can, tends to identify with three. Like three is the magic number. Oh, all right. How about that? Yeah. Anytime I've done this with a client or somebody in my courses or whatever have you, I hear somebody saying, oh, I think a few of these feel like me. So here's the thing to know. Your primary core skill set is what matters the most. That's what you're building your career off of. And this becomes really relevant when people say, you know, should I stay? Should I go? Am I in the right job? What I always say to that is, are you honing the core skill set that you want to carry with you throughout your career? Or have you exhausted opportunity to grow? That's the top consideration because you're really carrying a skill set with you for your life. And you might express it in different ways and use it in different ways. But when you really get that, you're able to make career pivots or changes and make sense of them when you go back to your skill set and really sink into the next move you're making, whether you're talking to job interviews or or hiring managers, being able to talk about how your core skill set relates to the next job you want, for example. Yeah. Well, I love that. That's a very clear acid test in terms of, am I continuing to grow this or am I not? And I think it's, it's, that's kind of like the golden goose in terms of over the, over the long arc of a career, that's, that's what you got to have going. Yeah. Otherwise, if skills are atrophying, then you may very well be less valuable three, five years from now than when you started, which is not the direction you want to go in. You, ideally, you'll be increasingly super valuable, indispensable with the associated compensation and fun responsibilities growing Uh, all the way until your retirement party. You know, what's so amazing about what you're sharing is I recently read some data that was saying every five years, one of your skills becomes completely obsolete in the workforce. And I'm aware that by 2025, there about 16% of job titles don't even exist yet. So that's been really relevant, especially for Generation Z, who's transitioning into the workforce now to know that there's a lot of jobs that are about to become available that we haven't even heard of. And it's so important to stay aware of that. And yet our core skill set has many different ways of expressing itself when you know what that is. And kind of going back to you saying you have three core skill sets, it's about deciding which one are you uniquely brilliant in? How do you want to lead with it? And I will say that they all kind of do come up with this little cocktail where it's like, let's say motion and innovation are your core skill set. You can kind of think, okay, innovation and motion, maybe we're going to get a fitness influencer. 
you know, somebody who creates a business and kind of honors motion throughout the business with their fitness side of things. So it is kind of fun to play with that and do the combinations with yourself, but it's still important to know. And that's one of the number one reasons people are exhausted in their work is because they're not working within their core skill set or most of their day is in a different skill set. Well, so I'm, I'm curious if you frequently been working with clients, folks identify three, how do you push forward to zero in on the one? I think intuition is a really big deal and just your body, like really tuning into your body. So for example, I gave a TED talk recently. I was talking about how there's 200 million, if not more neurons in your gut, which is why it's called the second brain right now. And when you think about that, that's the size of a cat or dog's brain. And so there's an intelligence to you having a sinking feeling in your stomach. There's an intelligence to having butterflies in your stomach. So One thing that I really ask people is about what experiences they've had at work, even if they hate their job, that they didn't mind or that they kind of liked. And I pay attention to their body language and how their energy frees up or their voice to see where they're getting energy. Because one of the most slippery slopes I think people take in their career is they work in a zone of goodness and not in their zone of genius. And when they do that, maybe they're working in their secondary or third, you know, core skill set. They're really missing that juice of who they really can be in their work. Well, yeah, that, that's handy. As I think about it, you know, for me, it, innovation is, is leaping forward. As I just think about the podcast, you know, the analysis and research is a means to an end of we're evaluating you, Ashley, and seeing, okay, does she have good stuff? <laughs> so we're doing some deep research, you know, in terms of like the verdict. Yeah. <laughs> like, do we invite Ashley or do we pass? And then the words in terms of how do we, you know, what's the title? What's the teasers? I mean, that, that's just sort of, we need to do that to make it kind of compelling. But what I'm loving most is, is the discovery. You're like, holy crap, what you say is, is true. And I didn't know it before. Yeah, I, I love this. And it, and it lights me up. And the research and the words are kind of a, a means to that end. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's so amazing about the truth and is I don't necessarily think the truth is something that people learn. I think it's something you kind of recognize Like how many times has somebody said something and all of you is like, yes, it's almost like they put words to what you were trying, what you knew and you couldn't express. And and I think that's what's so powerful for me about being an author is that it's kind of like that person that has like an autoimmune condition and they're shopping for doctors trying to get an answer and they have this illness and they just want to know what it is. And even if they finally get the news and it's horrible news, there's still such a relief to knowing what it is and knowing yeah. what you're working with. And I think that's the, the gift that we as authors or, or podcast hosts get to give the world if words is our core skill set, is we get to put words to things that people haven't been able to vocalize. And there's such a healing and a harmony that we can create for people with that. That's true. Yeah. But, you know, I remember, <laughs> what's coming to mind is there's, I think it's an audiobook publisher, Sounds True. And I was like, that's just the best brand. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I were to start an audiobook publishing house, that's the name I would have wanted, yeah. but they already took it because it it sounds true. Yep, and and that's that's often how it feels when you're engaged in a conversation. It's like something lights up inside you. Like I don't have the hard data, but that sounds very right and true. And yes, yes. internally, <laughs> yeah. And you know what you're sharing? Also, it's really important for anybody listening to realize, like some of us are kind of cut off from our bodies. We don't feel our feelings. We don't feel what feels good. And so anybody who's kind of going through that as they're talking to you, you know, listening to you and I talk about the truth. It's like your only assignment, if you can't feel where you're expanding or contracting inside and where you're feeling pulled to in those breadcrumb moments where you're getting little nudges, 
is just to start paying attention to what feels good. Start paying attention to where your energy is good. Start asking people where they've noticed your energy get really good. I think that's just a starting point is leaning on the people around you that you can count on to educate you on when they're noticing you really shine because it's tough. And yet one of the biggest barriers to figuring out what you want to do is listening to everybody and not even listening to yourself anymore. So I think walking that line is a big deal. Well, so, hey, that's awesome. We talked about core skill sets. You've also got core nature, core values, core motivations. Can you give us just a, maybe your favorite tactic to get a good kernel of insight into each of these? Yeah, I would say your core nature is really about the energy you bring to the room. And I actually talk about this in the first chapter of my book before I get to core skill set, because I think it's the foundation. So one question to ask people who know you is how does the room change when I walk in? How would you describe my presence in the room? When you're able to ask that question and start to kind of collect the adjectives that you get from people around you, you'll start to see a trend. For anybody who knows me really well, they're going to say the room gets lighter because I'm, I love, I have a sense of humor and I'm a joker. And so people start to kind of laugh when I walk in because I'm kind of a goofball, stuff like that. And when you start to notice that, you can ask yourself, okay, here's the top three or four or five adjectives I'm seeing people describing as this is my essence. This is my nature. This is me when I'm me. And when you look at that, it's like, who do you know in your life that has a similar nature or energy to you? And from there, you can kind of look at different career paths that people in your life have, or that you're aware of. And you can start Mm -hmm. to say, okay, these are my different career options. Now let me get clear on what my core skill set is so I don't go into a career that demands my energy but isn't using my core skill. So I think your skill set is really a filter for your options. And from there, I would say your core values are a really big deal. And that's something I write about in another chapter because there's two dynamics in people's career at any given moment. The first dynamic is the what of what they're doing. That comes down to their core skill set, their job title, how they're bringing their energy into work and what their responsibilities look like. The other side is the how of how your job looks. Given that 50% of people leave their job because they don't like their boss, the research is in. How your job looks matters just as much as what your job is. And that comes back to your core values. So you know, I think everybody has maybe five core values. And and I try to tell people don't go for much more than that. Don't choose many more than that because it's hard to juggle that in your career. But I I hold core core values as foundational, fundamental, non-negotiable principles by which you live your life. And when you can start to tune into what your core values are, you can see those as a filter for what companies or people that you want to work with. I had a client who was a lawyer and a lot of her core skills and core nature pointed to being a lawyer. And there are many options that it pointed to, but lawyer made sense. And when we got down to it, we realized that it was really a core values issue because balance was one of her core values. And she was uh, a mergers and acquisitions lawyer, which means that when there's a deal that's live, you don't go to bed and she doesn't see her kid or her family. And so we ended up making the decision for her to change over to family law. And that completely changed her life. It was, there was a process for her to do that. Now she's very nine to five. She loves being a lawyer again, and she has that balance. And so I think for anybody who feels like something's missing in their career, often what's missing is a core value, or you're not working within your core skill set. Those are two things to consider. And when people are radically unhappy in their career, viscerally unhappy, 
usually what's happening is a core value is not just missing, but it's being violated or trespassed upon. So getting clear on those core values and your core nature, your core skill set, those are three steps in my 11 step roadmap to making a U-turn. And, you know, I could go on about this stuff forever, but Hopefully everybody who's listening can kind of take that time to look at their core values. And those are words like family, balance, authenticity, love, connection, self-expression. These are all core values as possibilities. And so core values have come up a few times on the the show. And what's your pro tip in terms of if folks kind of have an idea like, ah, this is probably one and that's probably another, but then beyond that, who knows? Yeah. How do you recommend you go get those? We get this advice in dating. Pick somebody that has, and I love comparing job hunting to dating because there's so many parallels. It's crazy. But we get the advice of pick somebody who shares the same values as you. But here's Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter. Everybody's value can look different. I had a client who told me that her core value was adventure. And then another client, he told me it was adventure. When I asked the woman who lived in New York City, I said, what does adventure look like for you? She said, it means trying new restaurants in New York. Okay, great. That's adventure for her. When I asked the other guy, what does adventure mean for you? He said skydiving. So we've got completely different ways of expressing the core values. So I think it's really important not just to write down a word that means something for you, but asking yourself, how am I showing up in this word? What does it look like for me? And I think one of the most slippery slopes of core values is people are too aspirational when they're choosing their core values. So you're saying that this comes up a lot on the show, but I think one thing that I don't hear often is the phenomenon that people think that something's a core value when really it's just something they want more of in their life. And that's really valuable to know what you want more of, but it's not a core value. A core value is what is the non-negotiable ingredient to who you are. And you know you have a core value when if you remove that word, you're not you. So yeah, core value, non-negotiable. So we reflect on it and and, and what else in terms of, of, of arriving at it? It's not just something you want more of, but something that is a non-negotiable must have. Yes. So the thing about core values is that far too often people are picking words that they want to be more of and not words that they are. You know something is a core value where if you take away that word, you're not you anymore. So humor is a core value for me. If you remove humor, People, I'm not here anymore. I'm not me. That's when you know you've hit a core value. I had a client who wrote peace as one of her core values. And I'm like, "Mm, you're not the most peaceful. I don't know if this is a core value for you. And she ended up totally agreeing with me. So I think it's important to be really honest with yourself when you're choosing your words. Look at what they actually mean for you. Get curious for the opportunities in your life, how those core values are manifesting for the other person or for a company. Let's say if you're not you know, maybe in your love life, you look at what it means for your partner. Maybe in your career, you look at what that looks like for the company you're at and how your job is going to play a role in that. Okay. So just to distinguish, core value is a fundamental non-negotiable thing that you got to have in life or a thing. And your core nature is just sort of like your your essence, your you-ness, your what do I feel when you enter the room? Yes. Any further distinction? No, I think you've got it. Your core nature is your vibes, how what the vibe mm-hmm. is you bring to the room. Your core values are your principles and your core skill set is your gift. And if you can really take a look at those three things, you are so much further ahead than so many people in your career. And I think a lot of people are in careers right now that maybe aren't working for them. And if that's the case, there's this really cool field called job crafting. 
And it's all about taking a bland job and turning it into a grand job. I love saying that because I think it's so ridiculous, but really that's what it is. It's taking a look at your core skill set and saying, how do I ask my manager? Or if you're a business owner, how do I carry this into my business and initiate a project that allows me to kind of morph what I'm doing in that direction? So let's say you're working in tech, but you want to be a writer. How can you ask your boss for the permission to take initiative on a project that allows you to be a little bit more of a writer, but still provides extraordinary value to your company? So I think job crafting is a really big deal if you're not currently working in your core skill set. And I do think that people who aren't working in their core skill set or honoring their core values is an explanation for why so many people are unhappy at work. All right. Well, and you got one more core motivations. What's the story here? Yeah, there is so much to core motivator. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned as I was writing the book is that everybody obviously is motivated by something else. So one way to kind of tune into your core motivator is in your job interviews, really asking yourself, how does this manifest for me? So I'll go through, there's 10, just like the core skill set, if it's helpful for me to go through all 10. Oh, sure. Okay, cool. So Number one is meaning. This is about people doing work that really aligns with the spiritual purpose. So this could look like aligning your core skill set and your core values with a very deep sense of personal mission. Number two is about optimal health. So this is about work that supports your health or your physical wellness. This is why you see certain people who are probably the motion core skill set, they're motivated by doing something every day that comes with their health. The third core motivator is time. So this is work that allows you time, freedom, or flexibility. This is a career that gives you a sense of control over how you're spending your time. And it's a huge motivator for people, whether you're in a job interview, you want to take these motivators and ask questions that allow you to get insight on whether that need will be met. Number four is impact. This is work you know is changing the world or making a difference. I think it's really interesting about the impact people is that impact might not show up in how their day-to-day job looks. It's a conceptual backdrop to their job. And what's so important about that is that their responsibilities and what they're doing might not be tied to the actual impact it's having, but just knowing that they're doing something that's making the world better, they're a little tiny cog in a much bigger, important wheel is enough for them. That's what motivates them. And the fifth one is visibility. So in the influencer space, I'm sure you've interviewed plenty of us where you know it's work that grants you prestige or recognition. This is a career that gives you validation. And obviously, if you're not checking yourself, it's really a wounded motivator Mm. unless you kind of take care of yourself and just know this about yourself. And then the sixth one is accomplishment. So this is for the people who are very motivated by checking things off a list. They like to feel a sense of completion. This is the career person that loves deadlines. They love that dopamine hit when they get an achievement. It gives them a sense of motion and completion and gratification. And then number seven is training. So this is work that actually allows you to learn as you do it. I would say that you're probably somewhat motivated by that, just being a podcast host. And same with me with my podcast. I love to learn. And then number eight is ease. And I actually, I love the ease people. Like they crack me up because the person who can own that as a motivator 
there's something very um, refreshing about how honest they are, that they want work that allows them comfort, which means it helps them avoid shame or fear or failure, anxiety, whatever it is. It's a career based on simplicity, doing work that you feel competent doing without much challenge to your growth. So this is for the person who's very motivated by easy times and just getting by without much thought on their career. And then number nine is spending. So this is work that, you know, you're motivated to spend money in your work or save it or keep it. Some people are literally just motivated by the pursuit of money. And I think there's a lot of judgment on those people, but I think there's something really amazing and inspiring about someone that can say, I just want to make a lot of money. And that's what I'm motivated to do. In personal development, I think there's a lot of challenges to that statement that there's something below the desire for money. And what is that really about? But I actually have found in my work as a career expert the past decade, and and that's really what I've put into the book that I wrote was just all of the interviews and surveys I've done. Some people neutrally just enjoy what money brings to their life to a level where they're not needing much else. This is what motivates them. And then number 10 is self-expression. So this is work that grants you the freedom to channel your emotions and ideas and bring them to life. So This is a career that really leads with creating through your feelings and through your ideas. This is definitely something that motivates me. And so can you contrast for me meaning versus impact? Yes. So meaning, when you really look at that one, what's different about it from impact is that it's something that is more aligned with a spiritual purpose. It's your own sense of mission. It's more self-focused. So somebody who's seeking meaning, it's about them um, somebody who's seeking impact, it's about the world. Okay. And what's interesting about ease is I'm thinking about David Allen of Getting Things Done, who's been on the show a couple of times. And he's a have you ever had a crank widget job in which you've got a bunch of widgets that need to be cranking? I mean to be cranked, a widget cranker. And that's your job is you just you do that and then you're done. It's like at the end of the workday, you're not at all thinking about the widgets and the cranking. It's yeah. just like not there. And so ease in some ways, it doesn't mean like you're, you're lazy or you're no. a bum. It, it just means like, I think about farmers, you know, and sometimes they have very long, very demanding work days, but in a way there's some ease in terms of, I don't need to think or worry about what I need to do. It's just very clear. Yeah. Those cows need to get milked. That field needs to be plowed. And so I'm just going to go do that and roll with it. I don't have to agonize over the political stakeholders and, you know, how I'm going to appease all of them and their complex interrelationship struggles and conflicts. I'm, I'm just going to do the thing that clearly needs to be done now. And, and so that's a variety of ease. Exactly. And I'm really inspired by these people because I find that we live in a world where it's really easy to be complicated. It's actually so much harder to be simple. And these people have it down. And a lot of the work that they do in this category is very meditative. It's flow state. It's easy. They're not the people who are wanting to necessarily grow in their work. Maybe they're growing in some other area of their life and they're just not motivated by that in their job. All right. Well, Ashley, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Yeah. I mean, I would say the final thing that we didn't cover because there's just so much, I mean, having written a 300 page book on it is people's interests. I think a lot of people get lost on how to figure out where to put their interests in their career. And if there's any advice I could give anybody listening, your interest is really your backdrop. So for example, I love cupcakes and that doesn't mean that I am going to be a baker of cupcakes. There's a difference between loving to consume something and being meant to produce something. And so if you have an interest and you want to bring it into your career, 
First, think about your core skill set, how you're spending your time and doing your day. Then think about your interest more as the backdrop that you're doing it in. So if you love travel, maybe you're going to work at a five-star hotel, but what's more important is how you use your skill set. Yeah, that, that adds up in terms of, like, I'm passionate about coffee. It's like, well, I mean, that doesn't drinking mean you need to be a coffee very maker. different from, you know, making coffee, selling coffee. Uh, consulting coffee shops. Exactly. <laughs> you might hate those things uh, and then just enjoy getting to drink the coffee when you're there and that's all. Exactly. Okay. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? A favorite quote. I love Rumi's quote, act or live as if the universe is rigged in your favor. Mm-hmm. I have found that that quote has given me so much peace at times where whatever is happening for me in my career or my life, I can't make sense of it. I always trust that there's something working in my favor and it just hasn't been revealed to me yet. Okay. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I found a bit of research from Stanford and I've struggled to find it ever since. I think I read it in a scholarly journal or something like that. But recently I read that 84% of your best ideas don't come at work. That was by Stanford. And I loved that because it was such a reminder of how important it is for us as, I mean, all of us are innately creative beings to create white space outside of our work and stop getting into that addictive pattern of booking ourselves back to back to back, not allowing for that genius to come through in our day-to-day lives. You know, I, I like that when I, when I slack off at work I, and, and I feel guilty, I just tell myself, this is part of my creative process yes. <laughs> and there's hard data to back it up. So thank you more yeah. of that. And how about a favorite book? I mean, obviously I have to say my own book U-turn, but if that is not self-serving enough, I could say my favorite book and the person that motivated me to be a writer in the first place and really influenced the way that I write is Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. And how about a favorite tool? Something you use to be awesome at your job. I absolutely love Insight Timer app. Mm -hmm. There's some meditations. There's a woman on there named Sarah Blondin and she has free meditations. And I always put my noise canceling earphones on and I completely tune out the world for 10 minutes and her meditations get me so grounded in my work. I always do it before a really, really big meeting. Mm-hmm. And a favorite habit? My favorite habit is probably fitness. And that's something that's brand new. Uh, I hate that I'm saying it because it feels really trite, but it was really hard for me to get into fitness. I hired a personal trainer and it's kind of forced me to exercise a few times a week. And I'm really proud of that because it's given me such a level of new focus and energy in my day. And I'm so glad I'm doing that. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks that quote it back to you frequently? Yeah. One thing I've said often is clarity comes from engagement and it's never going to come from thought. You really can't think your way into clarity. So many people are sitting there marinating and engagement can look like so many things. It can look like as simple as reading my book or anybody's book or listening to this podcast. It can also look like taking another job and trying it on. Far too often, people hold their careers too heavily and they slow themselves down from making decisions. And what I think about with this is I walked into the Pixar offices a while back and I saw a big sign on the wall that said fail faster. And what I loved about that was that that to me is the sign of a good career is somebody who's willing to be experimental, to lighten their energy towards their career and engage in some way, even if it means taking something that feels pretty big. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? I would say right now we have a bundle of courses and you can order my book at uturnbook.com at Y-O-U-T-U-R-N book.com or else you can hit me up on Instagram at Ashley Stahl. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? 
Yeah. I mean, I shamelessly have to say, I hope that they read the book. I mean, it's everything I've collected over a decade of work with thousands of job seekers in my courses. And it has been such a labor of love and soul. And if they don't read the book, I would say at least re-listen to this podcast episode and take some notes on your core skill sets that you can carry that with you into your career. No, Ashley, this has been fun. I wish you lots of luck and many unstuck moments. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciated Ashley's take there on the 10 core skill sets and the 10 core motivators. Really worth some time to think, to chew on that, to reflect and seeing, hmm, which of these are really resonating for me? And if you want to do that in some more detail, well, hey, get the free book. Again, the process there is you go to LinkedIn, you put up a post, you tag Pete and Ashley and this episode, which is at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP633. And if you go to awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP633, you can sort of see the goods there as well, of course, and something that you found useful about it. And then my folks will message you via me on my LinkedIn and say, hey, what's your address? Let's get you hooked up. And that's how it goes down. So great stuff from Ashley. Appreciate you, appreciate her, and hope to catch you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.